If you're able, please remain standing in honor of God's word. Our word uh, comes today from Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 12. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. This is the word of the Lord. As many of you know, uh, our lead pastor, Ryan and Megan and, his, and their family are on an extended sabbatical. And this is a great opportunity for us this summer to have uh, various people come in and bring us uh, the word of God. And I'm excited to introduce to you this morning, Rod Entrican. Uh, Rod has been a, a friend of New City Church since before we launched. In fact, he was lead pastor of Christ Church Sewanee at the time that Ryan did the second year of his church planting residency there. Uh, he's been of great influence in Pastor Ryan and Megan's life, as well as my own and many other people. In fact, uh, these days he's a, he's a consultant who uh, helps pastors flourish and their ministries flourish, and that's such a great calling. We're so privileged to have him here this morning. So, uh, Rod, if you'd come up while uh, I pray for our message. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and the wisdom that we find in there. Lord, as Rod preaches this morning, I pray that uh, everything would fall away except the power of your spirit through him. I pray, Lord, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear the truth that he brings this morning. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Good morning. It's good to be here. This is, uh, this is really fun for me. Um, having known uh, Ryan and Megan uh, since before New City started and having him on our staff for a while, and I got to know him there and just... I so respect him and so love him, and um, this is just a joy to my heart to be here today. So thank you for letting me come and be here. <clears throat> We're, you know, the, the, the passage that we just read is about trusting in God, right? Um, you know, we've been kind of using, we've hearing that, using that phrase forever, right? Uh, but it's hard to do, isn't it? It's hard to really trust in God for the things, you know, and we're, we're so often tempted to trust other things, uh, other things in our lives, our, our careers, our relationships, our influence, um, we, our wealth and what we can produce and our abilities. 
I think we even trust in chance. Well, I hope this works out, don't we? Well, you know, uh, those things won't hold up, and you know that, but we still do it, don't we? We know they won't hold up, but we still do it. They're about as reliable of things to, to trust in. They're about as reliable as a cardboard window on a rainy day in Buckhead. Now, you know there's a story behind that, right? Okay, so I, we have several children. We have three sons. One of my sons is uh, notorious for asking to borrow my car in exchange for his car for, to do whatever he's going to do. And, of course, my car is always in much better shape than his car is in. And so this particular um, occasion was no different. So he leaves me his car, and uh, uh, I have to drive this morning, this particular morning. I have to leave the house at 5.30 in the morning to drive to my meeting in Buckhead, which is like over an hour ride, and it was pouring rain. So it's dark, it's cold, it's raining. So I go out and I get in his car, and uh, it, first of all, his car is it's dirty. It's beaten up because he and his friends are rough with it. It's just, you know, it's just not my car. And uh, so I get in it, and I inadvertently hit the automatic down button on the driver's window and uh, so I try to raise it back up and the motor doesn't work so it goes down but it won't come back up now remember it's raining it's dark and it's cold and so I've got to drive from Dawsonville to Buckhead with the window all the way down on 400 okay so by the time I get to my meeting I go in and the guys they, they look at me and I, I look like the joker you know uh, uh, just all the, 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 the water and the, the air. And so they said, well, what happened to you? And I'm thinking, thanks a lot. And so after the meeting was over, I decided I'm not going to do this again. And it was still raining. And so we were at Christchurch in Buckhead. And so I go to the kitchen at Christchurch and I find this big old box that had uh, styrofoam cups in it, you know, so it's a big box. And so I take the box apart and I go out in the parking lot and I open the driver's door of my car and I shove this box in it that I'd flattened out. I shoved the box in it and slammed the door on it. Okay. So now here I am, I'm looking really cool and Buckhead with all the other Beamers and Mercedes and Audis. And I'm in a beaten up old, uh, Honda with a box sticking out of the door. Real cool, right? So I think, well, at least I'm, I'm going to stay dry. So uh, that worked until I needed to make a right turn. Now, I can make a left turn because the left window was clear, but I couldn't make a right turn because uh, I couldn't see out this window. So I uh, always have a little, little pocket knife in my pocket. And so I took a little, my pocket knife and I cut out a little, little flap that I could pull down the flap and I could look out to see if it ain't coming, then I can go. I'm still really, I'm getting really more cool by the minute, right? So that worked until, so I'm, I turn mega ride on Sydney Marcus and then I get on 400, I think I'm home free. I'm on 400, I'm headed home until I had to go through um, the toll booth. This was back when they still had the toll booth. And so how am I going to do this? I can't open the door. I can't, I can't, you know, if I open the door, I'm stuck here in this toll, toll booth. 
uh, with no window and the box and all this. And so what I did, and then of course he had no change in his car, so I had to take a, a bill out of my pocket. And so I don't know who was in that, that booth, but here comes this car with a cardboard window and the little flap goes down and a hand comes out with a dollar bill in it. And then a whole, someone took the dollar bill out of my hand. Then I hold my hand out and wait for the change. They put the change in my hand. I put it back in, put my little window back up and on I go. I'm getting cooler by the minute, right? I thought I'm home free and I'm on 400. Now, you know, it's raining. The cardboard is wet. And I've been going for probably 15, 20 minutes from, you know, by this point. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going up 400, and here comes this 18-wheeler on my left side. And you know how the force of the wind in front of the, an 18-wheeler, it kind of pushes you over, especially if you're in a little Honda Accord, and especially if you've got a cardboard window that's wet. Well, you know what happened to the cardboard window. It just smashed it to smithereens. So here I am, again, the car is full of water, full of air, and I look like a joker again. And the point of this is, all these other things that we trust in, they're about as reliable as a cardboard wind on a rainy day. Uh, but God says, He says to us, what you really need to trust in is Himself. Now, I'm going to give you six things that I think may help you I'll catch on to this truth. Brandon found them incredible. A CrossFit gym, a broom, a puppy, a balloon, an alabaster jar, and a breeze. Okay, you got that? A CrossFit gym, a broom, a puppy, an al a, a balloon, an alabaster jar, and a breeze. Okay? Maybe they'll help us get there. The CrossFit gym, verse 3, he says, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So what is he saying here? Let me ask you this. Where in the Bible do you find the steadfast love and faithfulness? Where is that all? What, who is always the one referred to when we talk about steadfast love and faithfulness? It's not you. It's not me. It's not some great pastor. It is God himself. The word here in Hebrew is the word chesed. Only God is referred to with that. So he's talking about, he's saying, don't let the steadfast love and faithfulness of God forsake you. Now, what does that mean? How does that happen? Well, the word forsake in Hebrew really is, a, 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 maybe a better translation is don't run off and leave the steadfast love and faithfulness of God. Don't get distracted and run out with something else in mind because the thing you need most is the steadfast love and faithfulness of God. So don't get so busy with other things to neglect it. Don't depart from it or leave it. I'm reading right straight from the lexicon. Because when you're chasing after something else, the in-your-own-eyes things, they won't hold up. They just won't hold up, but rather trust in God's steadfast love and faithfulness. Now, I believe that this is a discipline. It's something that we learn. It's not something that comes easily for us. It's something that we have to practice. The reason I've used the word CrossFit, Jim, is because my CrossFit coach <clears throat> challenged us in our, our group, our little community of CrossFitters, 
Any, any CrossFitters in here? Yeah, nobody gagging, I guess not. So he challenged us to do 100 burpees with him. So you know what a burpee is. You know, you, you, you're standing position, you hit the floor, you do a push-up without letting your body touch the ground, do a push-up, back in upright position, you jump, and then you go back and do it again. 100 of those. And I did them after rowing six kilometers. But it was not all that day when we hit the mat. On day one, we did one burpee. On day two, we did two burpees. On day three, we did three burpees. And so over a hundred days, by the hundredth day, I was able to do 100 burpees. It takes work. It takes practice. It's not something that you just pop in. David himself prays in Psalm 56. He's preaching to himself. He's rehearsing the truth to himself. And he's teaching his heart how to trust when he says, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. I will trust in, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? You hear him preaching to himself? Paul uh, in Philippians 4, he says, I learned obedience. Excuse me, he says, I learned contentment. I learned to be content with whatever situation I was in. I learned to be content. Even Jesus in Hebrews 5, it says that Jesus, though he was the Son of God, learned obedience by the things he suffered. So trust is developed, it's practiced, it's learned. It's not something that comes easily or naturally to us because what comes naturally to us is our sin, our fallenness, to trust in all these other things, even when we know that it won't work. All right, the second one is the broom. Uh, verse 1, he says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. One of the most memorable sermons that I can remember hearing <clears throat> was by Brian Chapel during a chapel um, service at Covenant Seminary. This was over 30 years ago, and I still remember it. And he told us about his grandmother sweeping the porch with a broom. The whisk, 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 whisk. Trust, obey. Trust, obey. When we trust God, we will obey God. If they come, they go together. First is the trust, then is obey. One of the ways that we know we're trusting his God in God is if we're obeying his word in our lives. You know, and if if, if you are um, if you are just uh, living and coddling your your sin, if you're not living, if you're living in unconfessed sin, you're not trusting in God, and don't kid yourself. You may not be a Christian. You need to ask yourself, am I a Christian, or am I just playing religion, playing church? Because obedience will come. Like I said, verse 1, let your heart keep my commandments. Trust and obey. That's the broom. So the CrossFit gym, the broom, and the puppy. Now, why the puppy? Puppies are so easily distracted. We've got a new puppy in our house. His name is Blue, and he is Buck's little brother. Buck is five years old from the same mother. They're both English creamy goldens, and Buck is so cute, but he is so easily distracted just this way or that way, and he needs something to help him stay 
you know, out of the gutter. Out, it needs you to help him stay on, on the straight path. Verse 11, he says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be wary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves and as a father the son whom, in whom he delights. So God's purpose in discipline, the leash, whatever it looks like for you, is always going to be for your good. Now, the one thing that I think that gets us so distracted most often is the, the brokenness that we experience in life, the trials, the difficulties. They so, we, we're so easily distracted from focusing our, our trust in God by the, all the stuff that goes on. I'll call it stuff. All the tough times. And I remember several years ago hearing Bill Bright, who was the founder and president of Campus Crusade, he said, I don't have problems, I only have opportunities. At the time, I was young, and I remember thinking, that's naive. But what he was saying, he's really reflecting a lot of what the passage says about what the Bible says. In 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul says... Um, he says, rejoice always. Uh, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. James in chapter 1 says, Count in all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing your faith produces steadfastness, and steadfastness having its full effect, you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now we think, ah, I would like to be that, that place lacking in nothing, but it takes something to get there, and it takes rejoicing in all circumstances. Does that come natural to you? Not me. We're like puppies. I don't want to do this. I'm done with this field trip. When am I going to be happy again? So the word rejoice here, <clears throat> we could say the word rejoice means to rejoy your heart in the things that you know to be true about God. Rejoy your heart in what the Bible says is true about Him. First Peter 1 says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials and, tested, and the, the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus. So he says, rejoice. Rejoice your heart, even though now for a while you go through these tough things. Because God's got something really, really good for you. Several years ago, <clears throat> probably, well, not probably, the greatest difficulty trial in my life, my wife was diagnosed with brain cancer terminal. And so for three years, we fought the brain cancer, and she passed away in 05. So without question, it was the most difficult time in my life. But our, my kids and me, we more than thrive, uh, survived, we thrive. How does that work? I think it's one of the mysteries of the gospel of how God works in us and works through difficult times. So we're, we're healthy, we're strong. We're stronger than I think we've ever been spiritually. We're not angry. 
But there's one lesson that I learned throughout the whole time of that and since that is the primary lesson in, in terms of life that I learned, and that is control is an illusion. Control is an illusion. Oh, you might be able to control how many potato chips you eat or how many soap operas you watch, but you won't be able to control whether or not you get cancer from it. Control is an illusion. We're like puppies needing a leash. We need to rejoy our heart in what the Bible says is true about him. He says, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Rather, let your heart be trained by it. Okay, CrossFit gym, a broom, a puppy, a balloon. The balloon is just kind of symbolic of their, our emotions. You know, because our, he, he, uh, he tells us here that peace is going to come. And I've chosen balloon because the balloon is just kind of like, that's, that's a symbol of peace, right? It's kind of light and fun. And see a balloon, you think, okay, we've got a party coming. Um, so our emotions, God made us to be emotional beings like him in his image. He is an emotional person. That may come to a shock to some of you, but God is an emotional being, and he made us like him. Now, here's something interesting. Your emotions will tell on you. They will tell on you where your heart really is, what's really happening. Uh, they're like clues to you of what's going on in your heart. Peace, from this passage now, peace is the emotion of trust in God, not in anything else. Peace is the emotion that comes when you trust in God. Anxiety is the emotion of unbelief. So when you're experiencing anxiety, you can be sure your heart is not trusting in God, but in something else. Maybe it's a cardboard window or something about it's reliable. And see, your heart knows this. Your heart was built to trust in one thing, and that is God alone. And anytime you're experiencing anxiety, you're trusting in something else because your heart already knows it before your mind knows it. All right, an alabaster jar. Verse 9, he says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Here's one way you know that you're trusting in God is that you're generous. In Matthew chapter 26, a woman comes and she, Jesus and his disciples, they're reclining at table and they're having dinner. And she brings an alabaster jar and she broke it. First of all, it's a very expensive object, but inside it is something even more expensive and that is a perfume. And she broke it and she poured that perfume on his feet. <clears throat> Why did she do that? Why would, and the, the disciples were questioning it then. Why would she do something so radical Because she was living in the fullness of the steadfast love and faithfulness of God. She was experiencing the forgiveness that came through this man that she knelt before. His forgiveness in her life and the love that she was receiving from God was more um, valuable to her than this heirloom. This was probably her inheritance. It was very likely her her retirement program, it was so expensive. 
Jesus had earned the position, the place, by his life and by his death and by his resurrection and by his forgiveness for her. He had already, he had proven to her that he is worthy of her trust. We just sang about it. So trusting in God will be evidenced by your generosity. You won't hold on to earthly things as much. I think that when we're really um, trusting in God, we'll take more risks. We'll laugh more. We'll have more fun. We'll give more. You know, if you're not tithing, you're not trusting in God. That's just a very clear application of this passage. So take him at his challenge. Trust him. And just see, he talks about the flourishing of our lives when we do. But how do we do it? That's the real key. How do we trust God? That's where the breeze comes in. All right, breeze. The, the, the word for the Spirit of God is the word pneumatos, which means wind. Pneuma, it means wind. So when the, when the Spirit of God comes into us and blesses us, He enables us, and go back to verse 3, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. In other words, remind yourself all the time, as much as you can uh, remember something that's hanging around your neck, remind yourself of the steadfast love and faithfulness of God. Now, let me ask you this. Do you deserve the steadfast love and faithfulness of God? Do you deserve that? No. What do you deserve? Hell before breakfast. That's what we all deserve. And anything and everything past that is God's grace in your life. Grace is is getting something that's really wonderful that you don't deserve. Mercy is like the other side of the coin. It's not getting something really, really bad that you do deserve. We don't deserve the steadfast love and faithfulness of God. That's only because of His grace. We can trust Him only because of His grace. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency, sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Notice all the alls in there. He leaves out nothing. It's not just a little bit of God's grace. It's all grace. He gives you full resource of all of who He is that you'll be able to trust Him. The first good work that we do is trusting in Him. And every day it's His good work in us. Now I want to end with with a... This is probably the most notable, or at least it's a very notable Evidence of God's grace working in me. This was several years ago. Again, I'm in my, this, this same son's car. So uh, <clears throat> he has asked uh, to borrow my car again. And of course, it's dirty and uh, beaten up and smelly. And so I'm on my way. It's, it's night. It's December. And a friend of ours uh, is coming to spend Christmas with us. Lloyd, and Lloyd had had a stroke, and Lloyd is blind. He cannot walk, and he uses hearing aids. He doesn't hear well, so you have to really talk loud. So 
Uh, I get in the car to go. I to give Will my car. I take uh, uh, his car, and so I'm on my way to the airport, and I realized, guess what? Need gas. So I'm thinking, okay, I won't be able to get to the airport and, and stop and get gas in, in time to pick up Lloyd. And I had gotten a special permission to go through uh, the security to go to the gate to meet Lloyd as soon as they rolled him off the plane because he, wouldn't just, he just wouldn't be able to navigate himself through the airport. And he was not in a place emotionally where he was ready for you know, some sky cap to, to do that for him. So I needed to be there and he would be upset if I were not there. So I didn't stop to get gas. So I was there when he came off the plane. It was good. We got in the car and I said, now, Lloyd, buckle up and pray because we're going to have to stop in a bad section of town late at night to get gas. So I stopped and I'm, I'm at, the, uh, at the pump and I pull out my wallet and um, I take my card, and I'm about to put it in the thing. And right then, I get mugged. A card in hand, wallet in my hand, and a guy says, give me your money. Give me your wallet. Give me that card. And I can tell you, I don't think I've ever in my life been more afraid than I was at that moment. Fear gripped me uncontrollably. I think I started shaking. And all I could do at the moment was just, well, you know, one of those little prayers, Jesus, help me. Now, it, it wasn't a big, long, you know, our Father, we are in heaven. It was just, Jesus, help me. And something really, really, because he's standing right here, and something really, really weird happened. That fear left me, I mean completely left me, and something else came. I think it was fun. I started to have fun. Now, isn't that crazy? I was enjoying this moment, okay? So I went ahead and put my card in, and put my pen in right there in front of this fellow, closed my wallet, held it in my hand, took the, the, the pump, put it in the thing, and started the thing running, the gas, going into my car, and I walked over to him, and I put my hand on his shoulder. I'm, I'm having fun. Now, this is crazy, right? I put my hand on his, on my, on his shoulder, and I said, what's your name? He said, my name's Charles. I said, Charles, is this the life that you want for yourself? His head dropped. He said, no. I said, Charles, you're far more valuable than what you're treating yourself. Wouldn't you like to have a better life? He said, yes. And I'm telling you, this is the weirdest thing in the world. I stood there and told him about the love of God and how God changes us and redeems us. And that man stood there and prayed with me. Isn't that the craziest story you've ever heard? God's grace does crazy things. Crazy things. You'll laugh more, have more fun, even in the toughest moments. You know, um, I didn't know whether I was going to do the benediction here or not. And so... 
my favorite benediction, which turns out to be the one that Brandon's going to do, is Ephesians 3.20. And it says this, Now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than all you could ask or even imagine. On your best day, all caffeined up with your pencil as sharp as you can get it, you cannot come up with a better plan for your life, a better day than what God has got for you. And he goes on to say, according to his power that's at work within you. What's that? It's the power of the gospel. It's the power of the Holy Spirit of God that breathes of grace. To him be glory in the Christ, in the church. And the church is you. To him be glory in your life as you trust in him. Let's pray together. Father, uh, we just want to pray that right now. Would you cause all grace to abound in us so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, that we would abound in every good work and Lord, let it be that the very first good work today and every day is that we trust in you. Amen.